Him, Christ is our cornerstone. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Almighty and merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed what we have devised and desired in our hearts. We have offended you and sinned against your holy law. We have done those things that we should not have done, and we have not done those things that we should have done. Have mercy on us, Lord. Spare us, forgive us, and restore us according to your promises in Christ Jesus. God, our merciful Father, has forgiven all our sins. He sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Redeemer and Savior. Jesus paid the penalty for our guilt by his death on the cross and freed us from death by his resurrection from the grave. We have peace with God now and forever. Amen. In peace let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. 
for this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, by your great goodness, mercifully look upon your people that we may be governed and preserved evermore in body and soul. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. Our first lesson today taken from Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah prophesied that the southern kingdom of Judah would go off into exile in Babylon. But here in these words, he foretells how the Lord would reestablish the rejected, uh, his people who had been in exile. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland, to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. The word of the Lord. Our psalm for today is this uh, hymn which is based on Psalm 73, which is our sermon text.
second lesson taken from Philippians chapter 3, Paul used to find uh, all good in his own effort, what he could do, who he was. But in the Lord now, rejected those ways, also that he might find righteousness in Christ. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. Continue with the anthem.
Please stand in honor of the gospel. In our gospel today, Jesus tells the parable of the workers in the vineyard and shows how even though he was rejected by others, he is established as the capstone of the church. He went on to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, God forbid. Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests looked for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for our next hymn, 407.
Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, from Lord Jesus Christ, the Crucified One. Amen. God's Word we consider in our sermon today, Psalm 73, we'll read selected verses at this time. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply, till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This is God's word. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It was really just business as usual. If you want to get ahead, there are going to be some others who need to be left behind. And if you want more, you might as well try to get others to pay for it. If you're going to make an omelet, a few eggs are going to have to get broken. In Jesus' parable in the gospel today, isn't that really what was going on? Those workers in the vineyard, they wanted more of the produce, they wanted more of the profits, and so when the owner sent a rep to them, asking for some of the proceeds. They beat one. They insulted another. They wounded still a third and threw them out and sent them away with nothing. They were even willing to commit murder to take over the business. Those wretches. Those scoundrels. And it seemed as though for some time they were just getting away with it. Business as usual. That's really nothing new. That kind of thing happened back at the time of Asaph, and it still happens today. And when God's people observe it happening all around them, it troubles and tears at our hearts. Yet today, the Lord's Spirit, by Asaph, leads us back. Leads us back to the desire of our heart. It's rediscovered here in the sanctuary. It's retained by each of us in glory. Asaph was a musician, a Levite, back at the time of King David. He was a percussionist, actually, and his specialty was sounding the cymbals. Asaph had several associates, uh, Levites, who ministered with him there before the Lord, and his associates played instruments like harps and lyres and trumpets. Asaph was not only a musician, though, he was a prophet. 
He spoke God's word, and, and by God's spirit, uh, 12 psalms written by Asaph are placed in the book of Psalms. But what really troubled Asaph here in Psalm 73 was the prosperity of the wicked. The word for prosperity there is shalom, which we oftentimes translate peace, but there's a whole lot more to it than that. Uh, that word really has to do with the absence of trouble and the presence of fullness. Asaph saw the wicked all around him there in Jerusalem and, and around there too, who seemed to have everything going for them. Not a care in the world. Things were going just great for them, and they didn't think that they needed God at all. And that's something that still goes on today too, doesn't it? Well, there are people who order attacks on clinics and on civilians. Well, they sit safe far away in their own little fortress. There are people who traffic in drugs and humans without any regard for what it does to the lives of others. Those who make money hand over fist who aren't willing to stretch any of that out and help those who are in need. Those who only seem to grow more powerful with every lie that they tell and every dirty business deal that they make. Those who love eating the finest meals, yet more goes to waste in their kitchens on a daily basis than many of their neighbors have to eat in a month. It seems like everything is just going fine for them, but they have no need of God, no concern or care in the world. What good is it walking in a straight line when the crooked seem to prosper? Why pour out all kinds of effort for the Lord and his kingdom and his work when it seems like the compensation here is better elsewhere? If you can't beat them, join them, right? We've all been there. If only my life was like hers or like his. If, if only I had a car like this or a house like that, a job like this or go on vacations like that. If only my kids acted like that. If only I had this game or that toy. Our hearts envy. Longing for the life on easy street or luxury lane. But envy really is toil for our hearts. Toil that's frustrating and fruitless. Exhausting and empty. It's only troublesome. When our hearts are troubled with envy, it's time to go to church. That's really what Asaph did, isn't it? Asaph said, when I went to your sanctuary, then I understood. That word for sanctuary means holy place, but really, it wasn't as much what was, it wasn't the tent or the temple that was holy, the Holy One who dwelled there, the Holy God. And the wicked have no place in the presence of the Holy God. They will not last. Just like a dream, they may be living the dream now, but they will be forgotten like a dream. They won't last. The most powerful rulers here will one day be confined to a wheelchair 
and told when to take their next pill and when to use the restroom. The richest of the rich here will one day die and all that they own divided up among others. Those who gorge themselves on the finest foods now will be devoured by the grave. And those who dwell in envy will be shut out from the sanctuary of the Lord. Yet there at the sanctuary, Asaph not only saw a holy God who cannot have wickedness in his presence, he saw a God who makes us holy. A God who chose people like the Israelites who often set their hearts on other things. A God who made his dwelling among his people. Who provided a priest to go between himself and the people. A blood sacrifice to atone for sins. There the Lord God washed his people and nourished his people. And that's what we still see. As we step into the sanctuary, we rediscover the desire of our heart. It's the God who makes us holy. Here in the sanctuary, we see the cross where Christ died for all of our envy. The font where he made us his new people and washed away all of our split minds and our split hearts and desires. See the pulpit from which our Savior's loving voice sounds. The altar from which we receive his body and blood. The stained glass windows which tell the story of our salvation. Here at the sanctuary, we rediscover the desire of our heart. It's our God who makes us holy. But the desire of our heart is also retained in glory. Asaph was present for one of the more glorious events of all human history, the dedication of the temple there in Jerusalem. The temple in Jerusalem at the time of Solomon was built with so much gold and silver, fine stones and craftsmanship, marble. It would boggle our minds just to be in it. There were hundreds of Levites sounding harps and lyres and cymbals, a hundred priests playing their trumpets, There were singers sounding their praises to the Lord. King Solomon himself saying a lengthy prayer. Fire coming down from heaven, consuming the offerings on the burnt altar. And the glory of the Lord filled that temple. How amazing. How awe-inspiring. How glorious. Yet Asaph realized that no matter how good and glorious things are, are here. They don't last here. No glory here lasts. In Psalm 74, the psalm that's placed right after this one, Psalm 73, Asaph prophesied that that temple, he was there for the dedication, that temple would be chopped up with axes and burned down to the ground for the sin of a rebellious people. All of the goods from the temple be carried off and used by others. All of the instruments that Asaph loved playing and listening to would be rusted and smashed. All the people, dead. Glory here fades and it doesn't last. Think of the things that we often set our hearts on. 
cell phones, laptops. We get three or four good years of use out of them. Other electronics, cars, clothing, a couple decades maybe. A house might last a century or two. A marriage, 60, 70 years maybe at the longest. Everything here fades. All, none of the glory lasts. But Asaph knew the glory that truly did last. He said, Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. Friends come and go. We stay with our parents for 18 or 20-some years. We hold our children's hands for a few years as they're growing up. But God, he is with us always. He holds our hand everywhere we go. He is always near us and with us through the day and during the night. Our God is with us. Our right hand. The right hand for most people is the dominant one, the strong one. But God holds that one. He is truly our strength. And he picks us up no matter how far that we've fallen. Asaph continues, You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory. In so many ways we get lost and stuck, whether that's with financial planning, with marriage, with purpose in life, with parenting, with learning different skills or career choices. We get lost and we need guidance, yet God is our teacher, our mentor, our true leader. He guides us back to him. His word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. Most importantly, he guides us to confess our sin and to receive his forgiveness. Afterward, that's where the real glory happens. The word for glory has to do with something that's heavy or weighty or important. There is nothing greater or grander than being with God in glory. It's more majestic than being at the Grand Canyon, more spectacular and scenic than being at the summit of Mount Everest and looking all around, more impressive than being in SoFi Stadium where the Super Bowl was held this past year with level upon level of seating and big screen TVs all over the place. Glory is really thereafter with God. What's going to be the best part of heaven? What do we look forward to most? Asaph says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. It's God. He is our heart's desire. And anything else here that brings joy to our hearts, the people that we appreciate, the stuff that we enjoy and love, that's all from God. The knowledge of a father, the nurture of a mother, the companionship of a friend, the faithfulness of a spouse, all comes from God. The beauty of nature the harmonies and the tones of music, the taste of your favorite sandwich, all designed by God, the warmth of a crackling fire, the strength to run and play, the satisfaction of a job well done, all of that's supplied by God. Rest and energy, laughter and hugs, everything good, 
comes from God and leads back to him. He is the desire of our heart. He's the only thing that we truly can hold on to and retain, even to glory afterward. Yet these hearts, they have an expiration time here. They stop beating. Our bodies slow down. Our neurons stop firing. Our lungs come to a halt. What does Asaph say? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Forever. When the Israelites entered the promised land, each of the tribes got their own territory, a plot of land that they could pass down to the next generation, a plot of land given them by the Lord. Yet Asaph was from the tribe of Levi. They didn't get their own territory in Israel. Yet what Joshua said was true of Levi and of us too. To the tribe of Levi, Moses had given no inheritance. The Lord, the God of Israel, is their inheritance as he promised them. God is our portion, our plot, our possession forever. He's the desire of our heart. This heart will beat again. We will breathe again. We will behold him with our flesh. After our skin has been destroyed, we will see him with our own eyes. We and not another. How our heart yearns within us to see the desire of our heart retained in glory. Those workers in the vineyard, they wanted more than anything else stuff that doesn't last. And they were willing to kill for it. God set his heart on you and me for something that would last so much so that he was willing to die for it. If he made Christ the cornerstone, the foundation, our solid rock on which we are built, Christ came out on top, he rose from the dead, and we will too. He is the desire of our heart, rediscovered every time we set foot in this sanctuary and retained forever in glory. May our hearts continue beating for him and striving toward him. God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess the Apostles' Creed together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated, and we'll be continuing with the prayer of the church. But before we have the prayer of the church today, just a, a brief announcement.
uh, in recent weeks, I know we have been praying in church and I've been praying personally for Greg Johnson, one of our called workers here. I uh, just wanted to inform the congregation that this past week he was diagnosed with cancer and uh, he is having a procedure done this coming week um, and things look um, optimistic, but it's, uh, it's somewhere in the middle as far as how aggressive the cancer is. Uh, not too stagnant, but not overly aggressive. So uh, and he'll be having chemo treatments and other kinds of things like that uh, in the months to come. So we'll include him in our prayers as, as well as uh, Doris Lauersdorf's son, Brian. Uh, Doris is one of our newer members. Uh, just found out that he has stage four pancreatic cancer. So we'll include him in our prayers as well. Heavenly Father, you loved the world and gave your Son to free us from sin and death by his obedient death on the cross. Lord of the Church, we thank you for the treasure of the gospel. By your Spirit, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Guard and guide those who carry a cross in the name of Christ and face ridicule and persecution for the sake of the kingdom. Missionaries and chaplains, young people who stand up for what is right in the face of pressure to do what is wrong, and all who pay a high price for their faith and values as Christians. Keep in your care those who carry heavy burdens in life, the sick and the chronically ill, the depressed and lonely, those torn by conflict in personal relationships, and those victimized by war and injustice. Heavenly Father, we also especially ask you to watch over Greg Johnson with his recent diagnosis. Please also be with Doris Lauersdorf and her whole family, especially as her son, Brian, was recently diagnosed with cancer. Uh, please also watch over Pat Lersch, uh, who will be treated for a melanoma spot in the near future. We entrust our lives into your hands, Heavenly Father. Uh, your grace in Christ follows us everywhere we go. We look to you and await the good that you have planned for us. Comfort all who face the terrors of life with a heavy heart. Watch over those who care for others, pastors and counselors, physicians and nurses, social workers and caring friends, all who feed the hungry, comfort the hurting, and stand beside the dying. Hear us as we pray in silence. Help us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Keep us faithful even to the point of death, that we may receive the crown of life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We continue with our next hymn.
Please stand for prayer. Almighty God, by your great goodness, mercifully look upon your people that we may be governed and preserved evermore in body and soul. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Please be seated for our closing hymn.